Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. It's a privilege for me. I promise, and I thank you, Pastor Alpha. Um, I do listen very carefully to the theology in his messages, and I have yet to call him. No mistakes. You're getting the Bible with spiritual fire. And I really admire that. So um, I am wearing this cap only for a moment because this is a conquer conference. And the word Nike is the Greek word pronounced Nike that appears in Romans 8, 37, the core verse of this whole uh, conference. Through him, we overwhelmingly conquer in all things. Overwhelmingly, through Christ, who is the victor. So I wear the hat because the Nike symbol is everywhere. Uh, everywhere I've been in the world, I see T-shirts and caps and, and, uh, and stuff with Nike on it. And every time, it reminds me of Christ who overcomes. And I want it to remind you also. So, in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer. Now, I want to show you a very important verse uh, that doesn't get a lot of attention, but I think it's a really important verse. It's in Acts chapter 5, and it's in verse 20. This is the occasion when the apostles have been preaching after Pentecost in Jerusalem. And people are coming to know Christ as Savior by the thousands. Well, the the Pharisees can't stand that. And so they have them all imprisoned. And in the middle of the night, the angel of the Lord comes to them, releases them. We're not quite sure how that release took place because the, the guards didn't know that they had left. And the next morning, they're in the temple because of what the angel of the Lord said to them, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Another translation says, the whole message of this life. Christianity is not a religion. It's a life. It's meant to be a life. And the whole message of this life covers everything. That's what we find in the scripture, right? The, the word of, the, of God touches every dimension of our lives, including our work. Yes, including our work. Now, I want to, to speak just for a second about uh, a very, um, very hardworking man, uh, a very diligent man. He was a carpenter. And he worked for 18 years as a carpenter, since he was a young boy, 18 years. He cared for his widowed mother, his four brothers, and at least two sisters. And he was well regarded as a carpenter. And of course, I'm speaking of Jesus. 18 years he worked as a carpenter. And indeed, that is the plan of God for us. Now, many of you will be called... To, uh, to ministry. I was out of business into ministry. But most of you will spend your lives 
in a profession, in a work, at a job. And you know, God will bless you in that. Look at this passage from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Aspire, make it your ambition to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, to work with your own hands, just as we instructed you. This word affairs, oh, please go back. This word affairs is uh, also translated business. That's the word in several languages for business. So make it your ambition, aspire to live quietly, live a quiet life. We're not going to be rabble rousers, troublemakers. Live a quiet life. And tend to your own affairs, your own business, and work with your hands, just as we instructed you. So here's manual labor, and here's business, and they're both approved by God. There's no superiority one or the others. There's dignity in manual labor. Just as we instructed you, why instructed Because it was what Acts chapter 5 said to do. Paul was proclaiming the entire message of this life. And that includes how we work. Right? Now, the next line gives us the purposes for our work. So that you may behave properly towards outsiders. First of all, our testimony. The second is that you may be dependent on no one. Uh, another translation says that you may have the need of nothing, but you're not dependent on anyone. But that's not the first, the first goal of our work. The primary goal in the mind of God and in the life that he has ordained for us is to have a, uh, a good testimony with those outsiders, those who are outside the faith. That's our number one goal. God wants to use you in the lives of people who as yet do not know Christ at your workplace. Now, worldwide, a very small percentage of the population is going to come to the church. But worldwide, at least 80% of the people have jobs, work. And what God is doing is taking you who are in business and sending you to those people so that you may have a testimony, behave properly with those who are outside the faith. This is what Pastor Tulio was talking about in an earlier session, is our having a witness. And secondly, that you may depend on no one or that you may have the need of nothing. Um, that line haunts me that you may have the need of nothing. Be dependent on no one. That was written 2,000 years ago. And yet, in the mind of God, it is not necessary for us to be on welfare or to be lacking, to have a bad diet, an inadequate diet. By work. Through business, we can have all that we need. That's the plan of God. So, how are we going to conquer this work environment? 
Well, let's talk first of all about why we work. And I want you to look with me at Matthew chapter 5. Here's a very fascinating passage. We're in the Sermon on the Mount. Thank you. Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 26, Jesus is speaking, and he says, uh, For this reason, I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink or for your body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food? and the body more than clothing. And you probably are quite familiar with this passage, this portion of the Sermon on the Mount. But five times, five times, Jesus says, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. And he knew what he was saying. He knew that we worry about making it at our job, making enough money, getting a promotion, having enough to pay our bills, to care for our family. He knows that that's a very normal instinct. I don't know where else in the Bible, Pastor Hoffa probably knows, but where in the Bible does Jesus five times emphasize one thing? And here it is in just 10 verses in the Sermon on the Mount. Do not be anxious, do not be anxious. Is not your life more? than what you eat and what you wear. So in this picture, you'll see uh, a car. Uh, this is a real car. This is an antique Rolls Royce. I, it, I saw it on Sanibel Island. I took this picture. And, and uh, I've never aspired to have a Rolls Royce, honestly. A Jaguar maybe, but, and I never have, but, <laughs> but not a Rolls Royce. And this car, I don't know how old this car is. Maybe some of you know. It's an old car. It's probably 40, maybe 50 years old. And it was very expensive then. I, I mean, they sell for an astronomical amount. And did you notice the license plate? The life. The life. So this is a complete contradiction of what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. Owning a Rolls-Royce convertible... And being on Sanibel Island is not the life. What is the life? How do we conquer this kind of anxiety or this kind of pride or this conclusion? Well, Jesus says so. He tells us what uh, is going to happen. Um, he says, um, if God raised the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not do much more for you, O men of little faith? Men of little faith. How are we going to conquer the reasons for our work, the anxiety that we may feel, the fear, the anger, the frustration? How are we going to conquer that? By faith. Yeah. By faith. It's through Christ we overcome. Yeah. He said, you men of little faith, you're, you're so worried about this. And then, and then he goes on and he says in verse 32, for all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek, the, that is, the non-Jews, the non people of God. That's what they're looking for. And haven't you seen that? I certainly have. People want a bigger car. They want a nicer set of golf clubs. They want to have a nicer uh, dress. They want to have more. As if that is the source of life. 
a, 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 a Rolls Royce convertible. No, that's not life. Not life. It's not faith. But our life is much more. Our life is hidden with God in Christ. And it's by faith we overcome the soul if you're worried. How am I going to pay the, the rent? How am I going to have enough to retire on? And you become anxious. Do not be like the Gentiles, the non-Christians. Our faith is in God. He will care. So in my family's business, when COVID broke out, as you probably know, renters did not have to pay rent. And our business has rental properties. And it, I got anxious. How, how, is, how is the money going to, how are we going to have any money? These renters don't have to pay. They, they never have to pay. And the Lord challenged me. Who, John, are you trusting? Are you trusting in your investments, on your investment decisions? Are you trusting the manager of the building? What, are you trusting the manager of the company? Or are you trusting me? Wow. I was on my knees. I was on my knees. And I will tell you, because of faith, not my faith, but in whom I placed my faith, at the end of 2020, rent was paid on every single property. And that's what he says. So the passage ends with, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's what you're doing. That's why you're here today. I believe that. That's why you're all here. And there's, there's so much to seek in God, in his kingdom. And I'll explain a little bit of that in a few minutes. So much. And his righteousness. Have we attained yet? Well, yes, we've been given righteousness through Christ. But I haven't become perfect yet. I don't think you have either. He says, seek that. Seek the kingdom. Seek his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Do you believe that? Yes. Do you believe that he will provide? That's what the Bible says. That's how we conquer. So, James, I'm sorry, Paul in Philippians says this. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, my organization, the Business Professional Network, has published a book, How to Pray for Your Business. It's a little booklet, 20 pages maybe, a day-by-day -day guide on how to pray for your business. Now, I have encountered a lot of people who say, what? Pray for your business? Yes, that's what Paul says there in, in Philippians. Be anxious for nothing, which is what Jesus said, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. Work is so important. It's so important to you, and it's so important to us. I care a great deal about how well my doctor does. I care a great deal about how well my car mechanic does. I care a great deal about how 
our building construction company works. Let your request be made known unto God. Now, if you would like a copy of this booklet, there is going to be one available for you, no cost. And to get it, all you have to do is sign up at the little t desk outside under the tent where you came in and registered, got your band. They will take your name. And soon, not this week, but soon, these will be available for you and we'll, we'll get them to you. But you do have to, to, to sign up there. Be anxious about nothing. So that's why we work. Let's talk about how we overcome uh, how we work. How we work. So in Colossians chapter 3, we have an, an incredible statement again. Paul says, whatever you do, do your work heartily. Whatever you do, do your work heartily for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of your inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. I learned the opposite of this when I was in the Army. And I was uh, in uh, an officer candidate school, and we had a lot of, of really menial jobs to do. They were trying to really to pressure us. And so we had to sweep and clean and dust and pick up trash and all that stuff. And we learned how to do it as quickly as possible and inefficiently. We would hide the stuff in the closet. We would put the dust under the desk. We would find ways to do this so that it looked good, but we didn't really do very much. And I read this when I read this for the first time years ago. Oh, I'm to do it as if Jesus was coming into that office. I'm doing this for him. I'm writing this contract as if this is for my Lord's business. I am putting up these walls as if Jesus was going to live in this house. Do it heartily. And if you look at this passage, you'll see that in Colossians chapter 3, the preceding verse is addressed to slaves. And he says, you slaves, it's hard, you slaves, be obedient to your masters, the slave owners who abuse you and take advantage of you, be obedient to them also. So, how do we conquer our, how we do our work? Well, one, we do it heartily as unto him. Uh, we've already talked about prayer. Praying about our work, our job, is a wonderful thing. A good friend of mine was uh, a new Christian, and he was a kind of a junior-level employee of a construction company in Illinois, and um, he, he, he understood he can pray about his business, but he couldn't do it at his desk. It was too public. So he'd go in the bathroom and go in the stall, and he'd pray. And he'd come back out and something else to pray about. He'd go in the bathroom and pray. People asked him, do you have an illness of some kind? <laughs> he was always going to the bathroom. Fifteen years later, he was into the company. Still praying. God does this. So we pray. We work heartily. We work honestly. In Ephesians, the Apostle Paul says, 
Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. I don't know if you're aware of it, but one of the, the greatest problems around the world today is corruption. It's probably a pro problem here, too. I mean, I know it is to some degree in America, but in many countries, it's rampant, and it is killing the life of those countries. And Christians are going to be the ones that stand up to that and redress that, because we will do what Paul said in Ephesians, speak the truth in love. Very simple, this is just a few words. This is perhaps the most challenging thing I'm going to say to you today. Speak the truth in love. One of my early mentors was a businessman, very wealthy, very successful uh, uh, financial guy. And on the wall of his office, where everyone who came in could see it, is the passage from Romans chapter uh, 13, verse 8. Owe no man anything but to love. And he lived his life that way. How do we overcome how we do our work? By love, by truthfulness, and everything. As you well know, buildings would not collapse if people had been truthful. By prayer and by working heartily unto the Lord. I want to spend the rest of my time with you talking about how we can conquer when other people work. When other people work. This is what the Lord had called me to. Uh, one of the great uh, problems, great problems in the world, of course, is unemployment. That relates directly to poverty, relates directly to corruption. But I want to talk to you about Conquering when others work. I think if he, uh, Acts chapter 5, verse 20 is a very important verse. But so is this next one. Philippians chapter 2. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Not only. It's perfectly legitimate in the mind of God that we look out for our own interests. I must care for my wife, my children, my, myself, my health. It's all legitimate. God has given us that. But not only, not just myself. Look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And so I want you to look at this picture of these Rwandan entrepreneurs. Uh, you'll see about 100, about 100 people here. These were uh, uh, at a conference, the Accelerate Academy conference in uh, Kigali. And uh, if you see white faces in here, those are all from our church in Oregon. But there are about 100 people here. Uh, these were uh, all in their late 20s, maybe a couple in their early 30s. They all had a college degree, and they had all they, they were all affected by the genocide. They had lost parents. They had lost family uh, property. They lost um, 
<laughs> it lost everything. Not one of these people had enough money to start a business. They did not have an uncle who had a, 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 a lot of money. They did not have a father who could sell his car so they could start a business. They had nothing. But they were entrepreneurs, and they came to this conference on entrepreneurship so that they could learn how to start a business. They were tired of living on charity. And they had these ideas, these ambitions, all kinds of ambitions. And so we had a conference. Uh, and on the first day of the conference, these white-faced people, uh, we gathered in the, uh, the downstairs uh, hall office for the conference building where we were going to have the meeting. The meeting was upstairs. We gathered downstairs. The meeting was going to start at 9. We got there about 8.30. We're going to set up our projectors and pass out, get the literature set up. And our host said to us, now, now ladies and gentlemen, please be aware that this is Africa. And uh, we probably won't start at 9. It'll, people will drift in, and probably by 10 o'clock, we'll, we'll get going. Is that like Brazil? <laughs> so we said, <laughs> we said, okay, okay. We're, we're guests here. We're your guests here. We came here to serve you. And so about uh, 20 minutes to, uh, to nine, we, we walk upstairs. We've got all of our stuff. And, and uh, we walk into the, the room where there, there are 100 desks and the, the podium and all. And every seat is taken. They didn't want to miss anything. And they came way early to be there. Because creating jobs is life-changing. Having work. And I'm going to show you some of the benefits of that. But uh, look at the Inter-American Development Bank came up with when they did this study. Entrepreneurs who launch successful businesses create employment, expand market segments, increase production and services, and can bring new vigor to their communities. Shouldn't the church be doing this? To bless the nations with the whole message of this life? Entrepreneurs, Christian entrepreneurs. Now, I have found, been in a lot of places, there are entrepreneurs everywhere. Every country, every culture. In the Vine Church, there are entrepreneurs. So here's one, Claudien. Uh, he's a carpenter. You can see the table that he's making. Uh, this this lady was the organizer of the, of the conference from our side. This fellow is a businessman, came from, uh, uh, from Oregon, and we, we, you know, we paired everybody up. He got paired up with Claudia N, and Claudia, that he, that Jacob, happened to be a carpenter. And the Lord put them together. They still communicate as he's developing his business to the glory of God. Same thing in Kyrgyzstan. Central Asia. This is a Swiss business owner. He's looking out for the interests of others. He has absolutely no reason to be in Bishkek, Kyrgyzstan. He could be at the golf club in Switzerland where he lives, driving his Rolls Royce. But he's here, and 
I think you can sense the attentiveness of these entrepreneurs. They're, they're in this. They want to start businesses. And these were all Christian people in the Middle East, in, in, in Central Asia. And they want to start a business. Same is true in uh, Egypt. This fellow, an Englishman, good friend of mine, and he's conducting a class for these Egyptian Christian entrepreneurs who want to create a business to provide employment, to earn money, to do a lot of things. One of the women that's in this group, uh, a woman named Sarah, was the leading saleswoman for the medical supply company that she worked for. And um, because of her accomplishments, she got a car. Most women in Egypt don't even drive, much less have a car. She did. But she had a vision for her own business. And in the period since we were there to do this, she started two businesses. And operating them as a Christian. This man, Bill Job, wanted to be a missionary in China. And the way things worked out in the 80s, he could see what was going to happen, the closing down of doors for American missionaries. And so he started a business. Ultimately, his business grew to 800 employees, and he had a reputation throughout the city. They actually had, uh, they, were, they were constructing uh, lamps, lamp, lampshades, the Tiffany lampshades, you know, made of glass, different colored glass. And uh, it turned out that a lot of crippled people had good arms and hands. And so they created a factory where crippled people could sit at desks and assemble these lamps. And they were known throughout the city where people who were begging on the street corners could get a job and be self-supporting. As, as a marvelous guy. Start, planted churches and had a, has had a tremendous effect. Well, next slide is a picture of a uh, entrepreneurial conference in Eastern Europe, country of Moldova, poorest country in Europe. And we had a conference on how to start businesses and run them in ways that honored the Lord where people worked heartily, where they told the truth, where there was love spread throughout. Look at these people. They came from all over this very poor country to be at this conference. Later, we went with um, another group, and uh, this, this woman was a beautician from um, Illinois. And she and a CPA and I and a missions pastor went back to Moldova and she conducted training in, in the beauty salon. These were Romanian-speaking beauticians. And over here, this woman and then a bunch of people over here were Russian-speaking. They had two interpreters interpreting simultaneously into both languages. And the purpose of this, what her portion was to give them world-class skills because there were diplomats, there were wealthy people, there were government officials who wanted really good hairstyling. And maybe it's true with you, 
But when they sit down in the chair, they begin to chat. <laughs> and these girls were not only preparing how to do good hairstyling, but also how to have a witness for Christ. Okay? You can do that in the business world. That's the purpose, to have a good testimony with those who are outside. Okay. This is how we conquer. So here's what happens when we create jobs. Next slide. The, uh, and, and you might just rank where you are in this. But when people get a job who do not have one, have not had one, their sense of dignity is restored. The dignity as someone made in the image of God, someone that God loves, someone of value, the way he's made us. Personal dignity is restored. Family welfare. Often when the husband does not have work, he'll leave. That leaves the wife to get two jobs. And the kids have no example, no father, no role model. Lots of benefits. Education for a job in the family welfare. Self-funded churches. This is so important. A self-funded church. And that happens when people have jobs. Uh, reduced immigration. The country of Moldova, which I've, uh, I just show, showed you, has already lost half of its population. And they're not coming back. Why would they? Uh, in Latin America, obviously, there are countries that have lost a great deal. And most recently, Venezuela, of course, millions. And that's no good for the country. More goods and services available because these businesses are providing them. Yes, taxes. Now the government has a legitimate source of taxes. Bribery can be reduced. And there's a witness for Christ in the nation. That's what Paul said. Testimony with those who are outside. That's the most important part about work. So these are some of the benefits, and this is why we do it. This is why we help Christian entrepreneurs create jobs, or Christian managers expand their business. Either way, to create jobs. So I leave you finally, because we will conquer, but I leave you finally with this thought from Jesus. Yes, true, next. Next. That's what he said. He gave talents to all kinds of people. He said, I'm going to come back, but use these talents while I'm gone. Do business until I come. It's part of this whole message of the life that God has created for us. So, as we pray, I hope you will ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do, Lord? Is it, is it giving up anxiety? Is it trusting you more? Is it having a witness there in the, in the marketplace? Is it starting businesses? Is it going overseas to help people start businesses because I know how to run one? Pastor Hoffa has already said, that he's willing to go with me to India next year. The poorest, one of the poorest nations in the world. One of the least Christian nations in the world. The vine is there. And we're going to call those vine churches together in uh, Chennai. And we're going to look and see how business can be used to spread the gospel in India and possibly business people from the vine Fort Myers might go and have an impact.